So, uh, I think we should we should save that and just have that be our theme song for the rest. Uh, maybe. It might be actually time. I think maybe the joke has worn maybe thin. Maybe what it's joke? time we need to bring our uh, our uh, high-tech theme song. Maybe we need to actually bring in someone with a kazoo or something. It could still be a joke, but I think I think we do need something a little higher fi. It's got to be some klezmer in it. Yeah. Okay. Get your dad get that break out that clarinet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be dope. Mm-hmm. Love it. Although apparently you think some uh, some of the Smash Brothers music sounds like klezmer, so maybe we can just yeah. record a snippet <laughs> of that. He did. I wasn't really hearing it, but I mean, you know, to each his own. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Smash Brothers came out. Mm-hmm. You've been having a lot of fun with that. Ah, reasonable amount of fun. Yeah. But uh, they did that dumb thing that you, they always do where you have to unlock um, a huge mm. amount of characters. And they didn't even... It's On the one hand, they made it easier to unlock them this time, which is good. On the other hand, though, it's so easy to unlock them. What's the point of even locking them? Why not just have it be unlocked from the beginning? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure like what exactly you're achieving... By locking them in the first place? I don't really know either. Because they have other lockable, like, kind of sequential content. But that's all one player. And yeah. the benefits that you get from that sequential unlo- uh, gameplay are things that benefit you as a single player. All this unlocking the characters business does is uh, make it harder for you to play with friends. Now, yeah. one person has to kind of slog through a mm. bunch of the game. Or you with friends can slog through and... Uh, unlock these characters but uh, then it's this awkward thing where you know somebody messes up and unlocking the character and now you know somebody everybody hates that guy it's it's outdated and and the thing is they clearly seem to know that it's outdated because they you have all of the levels unlocked from the beginning and just not all the characters i think they just uh were excited to show their little uh, ui library of how the roster kind of naturally expands it's like little eight little boxes mm-hmm. and they liked watching it unfold but you know um it's not that impressive i mean yeah. we've been seeing that on the web for a long time yeah. so you know just just next time oh, man i don't even know if i want a next time you know what well, the the other thing is that this game is supposed to be smash brothers ultimate yeah. And that it has everything, every character that's ever been in the series, every level, every music, every everything. So if they come up with yet another one, it ruins this. It kind of ruins the conceit behind this one. Yeah. So See, this one should have been penultimate. Penultimate? Nobody would have bought it. They're going to wait for ultimate. That's the whole thing. But uh, but yes, character unlocking stuff aside, it's actually pretty good. They have a yeah. nice, a solid uh, one-player piece to it this time. Uh, the one that the one-player component to the Wii U and 3DS version was a little lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were good, good games, but uh, the one-player mode was kind of on the nose. Mm. Uh, this time, they have like a really robust, kind of cool thing. It's interesting because it's. Um, uh, basically, what they do is is that uh, they have like the seventy, over seventy like playable characters, mm-hmm. but they're really trying to be kind of like a, a collection of all the Nintendo stuff, hmm. like a, a, well, not even just Nintendo, just a huge kind of mega crossover event between behind uh, like a ton of different video game properties, mm. and uh, they can't. Uh, in the older games, what they would do is they made these trophies, like these little three D trophies of these little game things, but mm-hmm. apparently that's a lot of work. 
to make a 3D model for like hundreds of hundreds of different little collectible 3D models. Mm -hmm. So this time they split the difference and they just show you a little 2D picture. But um, what it is is that you kind of fight against them, but it's not really them. It's some one of the other play you fight against one of the other playable characters that kind of sort of looks like them, and they're kind of tweaked to kind of behave like the character would, mm -hmm. whatever property they're from, which feels like a kind of a hack. And uh, I don't know. It's I don't think I've seen uh, something that feels like kind of a, a practical adjustment that's featured so prominently in a game mm -hmm. before. Hmm. It's like I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm clearly I'm not fighting uh, this. <laughs> who you say I'm fighting? This is yeah. this is Mario dressed in green. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it has a certain charm to it. All right. Well, did I did did I see that you were just playing songs? Yep, it has, uh, yeah, and they've had that for a bit too, um, maybe since uh, the second game of the series, but uh, definitely since uh, at least the third, hmm. that, uh, again, it's a collection of all sorts of game stuff, yeah. and one of the big things that they uh, have a collection of is music, Interesting. Uh, and uh, all of the music is designed to be playable, uh, at least remotely acceptable for playing in the background while you're you know fighting, but uh, still, it's like hundreds of pieces of music, and you can actually play them by themselves. It's... Kind of another little bit of an awkward thing because I would like to uh, be able to listen to it, uh, you know, like off of my phone. Mm -hmm. But they're obviously not. They're going to do that. Yeah. They kind of give you a little bit of that, but you can um, bring it on your Nintendo Switch with you somewhere, mm -hmm. and they have the screen turn off and just turn play the music. But uh, you know, the Switch is portable. It's not that portable. Yeah. So and yeah. it's also weird. You, know, you have to explain to your coworkers why you have a game system. With you and all that stuff, but uh, stay out of my life. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, yeah. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll. <laughs> We've already had uh, some some bouts with uh, you know you had your uh, your family over. They they seem to enjoy that. Well, not really family. There's. Uh, sorry, friend, friends. Fr friends of the family. Friends of the yeah. family, and uh, played a little with my family, and you know yeah. it's uh, as always. Smash is popular. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think I think the kids are like, oh my gosh, yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, yeah, that's pretty dope. Uh, I have not been playing any games. Well, I guess I have. Well, I've been playing my, my, my cooking craze game, mm -hmm. but that's always happening. You've been looking for uh, scandals on Twitter. You're always, you're always uh, looking <laughs> for stuff. Am I looking for scandals on Twitter? I don't think so. I love my Twitter feed. Mm. It's just great. It's just full of just... I can tell. Just woke people and just funny. Mm -hmm. Funny people. You just love it. bust out laughing every five minutes. And then, yes. and then Hanukkah, I got to share all the... My my, uh, my Hanukkah pictures. You ever just celebrate Hanukkah just to stone on people? No. I do. Mm -hmm. um, but in addition to Hanukkah, celebrating Hanukkah, we watched... <gasps> Die Hard. We did watch Die Hard. That's uh, a classic Christmas movie. Classic. And I, I, I don't care if you don't think it's a Christmas movie. It is. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. It's fact-based fact, -based fact is one of my favorite podcasters likes to say. Um, but yeah, just a kind of a quick summary. Uh, Die Hard is a 1988 American action thriller film. It was directed by John McTiernan, written by Stephen E. D'Souza and Jeb Stewart, and stars Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman, rest in peace. It was produced by The Gordon Company and Silver Pictures and distributed by 20th Century Fox. 
I had not seen this movie in a very long time. I want to say I was a, I was a teenager last time I saw Die Hard. And I've, so I've forgotten, like, a lot of it. I mean, I, I remember, like, kind of the overall, like, you know, movie. But there were a lot of parts during the movie where I was really just, like, laughing out loud. <laughs> it, uh, for me, I've seen it more recently than that. But uh, it's still been a few years. So, but I, I more or less remembered every every element to it. When did when was the last time you saw it? Probably on, uh, I want to say Netflix or read it on DVD or something, but I've seen it as an adult. But not I've, like while we've been together. Um, I don't know. But easily could have been, but not that. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, like, <laughs> I, I, I just really just want to just go through the movie because hmm. it's just, just great. Hmm. Just a great movie. Yeah, it's a good Um. So I, I wrote down my notes, my notes that we open with John McClane gripping the seat and some crazy guy telling him to get tetanus an athlete's foot by gripping the carpet with his bare feet. Mm-hmm. Clearly a device to uh, get him barefoot for the rest of the movie. Yeah, but, uh, which, you know, there, there's a lot of callback in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, establishing, kind of. Uh, what do you mean? Give me an example. Well, I don't want because that's at the end. Right. But I'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, you he he's landing and um, he's in the airport terminal. And we've got the logo Die Hard comes up and for some reason he's holding a really huge bear stuffed bear. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you know why he was doing that? Uh, probably because it was visually interesting, but also it's something to give to his wife, okay. maybe his kids. And uh, I noted that he was smoking inside the air terminal, so you know this is the 1980s. Mm-hmm. This movie was so 80s that it it felt like a parody of the 80s at some points. Uh, yeah. Like like um, he so like he's he's leaving the terminal and he sees this guy with like his name on on a, like a placard to like pick him up and it's a limo driver mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Like they get in the limo, and of course he like sits up in the front because John McClane is salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put the bear in the back of the limo, mm-hmm. but he like, but the driver like takes out a tape. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, in the eighties, mm-hmm. you're just not gonna have an MP3, you know, Bluetooth hookup, and then they play um, Run M- Run DMCs. So it was like C- Christmas and Hollis, which is a great song. So I was happy good. with that. Um. So that they like he takes so the so the driver Argyle, which is a great name and a great sweater. Mm-hmm. I love Argyle sweaters. It's like the diamonds. Yeah, like the plaid diamond type of mm. deal. Like, yeah, that's a great name. I hope I hope that guy got more work after this. I, I probably should have looked that up. Um, I also really appreciated Argyle's was it exposition when like a character just explains a lot of stuff. Did he explain? Uh, he, I guess he got he got McLean to uh, open up about his family situation. Yeah, but like instead of instead of kind of doing it through like maybe like flashbacks or anything like that, like they basically just had this guy just kind of just tell us what the situation is with his wife, mm-hmm. which I I like that I appreciate it. Like sometimes it can get a little heavy handed, mm-hmm. you know, when characters just say. They can get a little cringy, mm-hmm. like um, oh, I'll never forget. Was it like um, Empire, where what's his name, Lucius and and Cookie are are sitting there talking, and I guess they're talking about um, 
like collaborating with the nation of Islam. And she goes, Oh, you, you know, the nation of Islam killed your father. And it's like, there's no reason for her to say that out loud. Mm-hmm. Like it's just for the audience. Like it, it, it was just really weird yeah. and cringy. There's a lot of awkward cringe and empire. And well, I, yeah. I, uh, I actually, I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but uh, when I watched it, there was, and, uh, a lot of their better moments are them leaning into the cringe. But yeah. sometimes if they're a little too far away from it, it's just cringe. Yeah. So like anytime I think of, of like that that type of like trope, I always think of like Empire. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, that's just really unnecessary. But uh yeah, so he uh gets dropped off at was it N- Nataki? Not I don't know. The building. The building in Century City where his wife works and I love that he's like using the touch screen and he's like, Oh, nice toy. And I was like, yeah, well, we're going to be using those a hell of a lot more. So mm-hmm. sorry. Heck of a lot more. I don't know. I always, uh, like the catch lines in this movie are famous, but, yeah. uh, it is, they are definitely forced. You know you what I mean? They're forced? I think they're forced. I oh, mean, I, I loved it. It doesn't sound to me like something that someone would organically say. If it sounds to me like they're trying, they're, and it's fine. The lines, the lines are good, but it does sound like they were. Uh... Well, I mean, that's why they had him sitting up in the front of the, the limo at the beginning mm-hmm. to show you that this is a no nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, no frills type of guy. So of course, like he sees a touch screen mm-hmm. in the eighties, mm-hmm. even now in twenty first century, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. John McClane would still feel that same way, and he's like, oh, "This is a cute toy." Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved it. And he goes to look up his wife's name to figure out what floor he's supposed to go on, I think. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he looks up McLean, and she's not there. She has now gone under her maiden name. Mm-hmm. So, I think I wrote down, I said, uh-oh, homegirl went by her maiden name. If she cut his hair, it's over for you, John. If she, okay. When a, when a woman cuts her hair, a girl cuts her hair after she's broken up with you, that's it. She's not coming back. Wow. She's done. I had no idea that's a she thing. She got a new hairdo. She got a new attitude. She's going out. That's it. You've had gotten at least three new attitudes uh, since we've been together. I haven't cut my hair. Mm. No, I only, I only, I had the fro when I met you, and then I just went to dreads. That wasn't as simple as that, was it? Yeah. You get the hair cut short, and then you switch to dreads. I got the hair cut short because that was an accident. Uh-huh. That wasn't because I was mad at you or anything. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, quote unquote, trim the dead parts off of my hair. Mm-hmm. And apparently the dead parts was half of my hair. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had to get the rest of it like cut yeah. short. To, you like, were so match. upset. And then it looked I fine cried. in like a week. I cried. I cried so much. I was like, how can I do this to myself? Mm. And it's so funny because I try to be like, I'm not my hair, but I am my hair. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now my my locks are down to my shoulder, so. Mm-hmm. You're talking about cutting it again. I am. I want to cut my hair. You want to cut it completely off? Yeah, just like go back to a fro. Well, I'll be fine with it. If, uh... I know you you want me to go back to a fro so badly. Well, no, I like it, but yeah. uh, the important thing, is, uh, not to be cheesy, is that uh, is that you like it because uh, it will it whether you change or not won't bother me too much. But uh, last time. As you said, the yeah. gig got pretty upset about it. So Well, again, because it wasn't intentional. Like, I've cut all of my hair off before. And, like, I was so happy with it. But mm-hmm. that's because I intended to do that. Mm-hmm. I had made up my mind. I'd done the big chop. Like, 
and it was great and i was like this is wonderful but like i did not intend to do that i just intended to do like a small trim no so yeah it's completely different but anyway we uh walk in or john walks in um and we go up to the 30th floor and we see some good old-fashioned 1980s sexual harassment in the workplace Mm -hmm. so that's fun yeah, but it's not portrayed that way. It's it's sexual uh, sexual harassment, but it's not uh, called out as like, oh man, this guy. It's just. It just is. Yeah, it's yeah. just there. No, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. just a part of working in corporate America, mm-hmm. corporate anywhere really, but where where Americans were in America, so watching an American movie, as they point out mm-hmm. uh, later on. Um, and then John and John and Holly walk in her office and they see, I think Ellis, I think that was, that was the same guy that was sexually harassing her earlier, just doing cocaine because mm-hmm. it's the 80s. Sure. Again, like I said, this, this movie is way 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. In the, oh yeah. We get, we get the, the, the truck is coming down the street, got the ominous music. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah, I said, I said we, oh, yeah, so, like, the bad guys come through, shoot the receptionist guy on the head. Mm-hmm. Like, my gosh, just ridiculous. And they just shut everything down. And I said, um, we go back to John McClane following that dirty man's advice while the terrorists are setting up camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just... Why would you tell someone to take off their socks and their shoes on an airplane? I don't know. That actually seemed... I mean, obviously, it's a device to set up the movie, but actually, that advice seemed realistic to me. What? People say that sort of stuff. Oh, so you're you're saying that someone saying that is realistic, Mm -hmm. not the advice itself is realistic. I mean, that type of advice is realistic. It's not, though. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so gross. So people recommend uh, gross things all the time. I think if people actually knew like what was being tracked in on people's shoes and whatnot through the planes, they would not be giving that advice. No, no, no. He's not saying take off your shoes on the plane. Yeah. He's, take it now. He says take once you get where you're going, take your oh. shoes off. Oh. Which by that the that changes things. Which by the way, uh, that said, as realistic as it was, it sounded like incorrect advice to me because he said gave this as a solution for getting over flight anxiety yeah and wouldn't you need to do something on the plane for that to yeah, work that, I, I or is he talking about concern with traveling and has been being in a different place oh, do we have to watch the movie again i mean we can but uh they, they won't they won't hear anything I, from us after this as much as i like this movie i really don't need to clarify these things mm-hmm. okay but yeah i i thought that 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 advice was in regards to like the no, anxiety no, no. that he had being on the plane. Mm-mm. So what good does it do for you to go? Make you feel better in the 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 wasteland that is California. Mm. Make you feel like home. I guess. And they do that a lot. Uh, they've done that several times in this movie, like uh, California. Yeah, <laughs> go to the East Coast or West Coast. Mm-hmm. Have a good time. <laughs> what is that? Is that a reference to something? To people saying that is that what people say? I I think that is a reference that people make now. I don't. Yeah, but they make it about Die Hard. 
What was Die Hard referencing? I don't think Die Hard was referencing anything. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think that was just the creation of a meme. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that if uh, if nobody said it, that's a weird thing for him to say too. Why? Like who was who was telling him to come out to California and have a few laughs? Maybe it's maybe his family. Trying to get him as wife back together. You're saying his little his little girl came up no. to him and said, "Hey, daddy, let's go to California and have a few laughs." He has other family. He has like parents and maybe brothers and sisters. Ah, oh, they're in New York, born and bred. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, wait a minute. What does that have to do with him being in New York? Like he was in New York, and they're like, "Hey, like go out to California. Go see your wife. You haven't seen her in months." Mm-hmm. Go out to California. Have a good. Have a few laughs. Mm -hmm. Blow up a building okay that seems acceptable yeah like that that's again that's what i assumed mm -hmm. from that like i didn't think it was a reference to anything mm -hmm. but i mean it it could be i think the one person that's listening to this podcast should uh email us and let us know mm -hmm. do we even give an email <laughs> but uh anyway i mean i it's jewish christmas review at gmail.com so ah okay it's we're, we're we're very uh and it's uh, it's period people. it's periods between every single letter right yeah no, it's just all one word at gmail.com uh okay um so the one major major the most significant gripe i have with this movie is the same gripe that i have about jaws and that the uh the uh, the man you know basically all of the different law enforcement entities and whatever unrealistically uh, uh awful and incompetent. Sergeant Al Powell was not incompetent. Who? Who? Carl Winslow. Well, yeah, obviously, after after uh, the body drops on his car, he's pretty competent. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about every, basically everybody else. Oh, like when he gets on the radio and he's yeah. like... Hey, and the 911 operators are more concerned about him calling on the radio than on uh, anything else. They, I, I definitely like how they hear gunshots like uh -huh. through the radio and they're like, nah, I guess maybe we should send someone to check. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the whole thing uh, is... Uh, yeah, it's just annoying. I think that was Ebert's uh, big complaint with the movie. Also, yeah. is that uh, I definitely felt my my blood pressure like rising. I was like, "Oh my god, mm -hmm. help him!" Mm -hmm. But you know, like the movie could not advance if you know they did. But I guess so. I don't know. Like I, I would much rather there be something more plausible. Like, hey, like we've been having these like glitches or something, and we haven't been able to get people through or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that would make that would have made more sense than it's just like, oh, we just have incompetent people that work for the and uh, the non or the emergency department. Mm -hmm. And I would have bought it if it was just like one emergency operator failing to do their job properly. Yeah, but no. it was like a cluster of yeah. three or four people acting professionally and saying, "No, sir, we uh, stop calling us for help." So, let me see. Uh, terrorists go upstairs or no my favorite part is when the truck goes down into the parking garage area you want to check the decibels no it's fine okay um they go into the parking garage area and like it backs up and like the door opens and like all these people come out of the back of the truck and then it just like closes up on our our resident baddie hmm. alan rickman hans gruber mm-hmm um, I just, I just love that shot. Yeah, and needless to say, he's he's good. Uh, he's very good. Mm -hmm. Um, was it? And then like they go up there on the thirtieth floor, and um, you know have their guns out and everything. <laughs> and then I said Hans Gruber obviously did his Wikipedia search and starts reciting this guy's biography. The um, uh, is it Joe Takagi, mm -hmm. the the boss there? 
It's just like born in 1937, immigrated in 1939, interned mm-hmm. in 1942 to 1943. Which shout out to like, you know, talking about Japanese internment during World War II in America. That was a very dark period of our in our country's timeline. But there are a lot of dark periods in this country's timeline. <laughs> Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm glad someone talked about it. Um, do you have somewhere you have to be? My watch keeps buzzing. Um, that was it. And then John Clayne like runs out, gets out of Dodge, and he just mm-hmm. starts capping them off one by one. Mm-hmm. It was great. And then he gets his hands on a radio, and so where he gets to communicate with Carl Winslow. I mean Sergeant Al Powell. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, who, by the way, is the only person who knows what's going on? I said, he needs to be a detective. Mm-hmm. Like, he figured out he was a cop. He figured out he was, like, one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he was, just, he was just like, he's just saying stuff that makes me think he's a cop. I do, I do, watching it this time, I did notice that as uh, likable as he is, he actually did not, uh, besides his initial, uh, calling uh escape from the shooting and calling in additional support mm. he actually didn't uh contribute anything after that point except you know at the very end yeah i mean because you know it's watching him i think watching him especially as a black person mm-hmm. like I like I totally got like how he felt because like you will you will you will know what's going on you will see things coming a mile away but you will have like your white like bosses or counterparts who will just completely just talk over you and just completely ignore everything that you say and so all you can do is just sit there and watch the impending doom mm-hmm. you know and it's just really frustrating mm-hmm. I just I really felt Sergeant Al Powell at mm-hmm. that point um in the movie and then you know his boss comes on the scene and of course they try to do stupid things like try to storm try to storm the uh the high-rise building Mm -hmm. which is dumb because they're able to see everything that's happening on the outside and they get their butts handed to them Mm -hmm. and then we cut back to argyle in the limo and he finally got a clue as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Although I would say that if I had a limo all to myself and like a huge stuff of air and just a lot of champagne, I probably would be like completely fine just chilling out there myself. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't find that unrealistic at all. Yeah. What about you? That was fine. <laughs> You're just like, whatever. I probably would have done the same thing. Um. Oh, yeah. And then like, oh, yeah, like they start in the place and then John McClane. I said, John McClane saved the day with C4. Yeah, he, he did. Were, like, he, he, like, sent down the C4. Website. The explosion seemed intense. I don't yeah. know. If, I wonder if that was realistic. I feel like C4 plastics, yeah, that's, I, th- I think that's pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and then Ellis decides that he's not going to mind his business. The guy that was doing coke at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know John McCain. It's like, John's like, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And then he does. Yep. And I was like, thanks. Can we get him out of the way? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And they do. They rolled him out of the way. They did. They, they took care of him, like, really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that. 
I mean, I don't enjoy people dying, but, you know, when you're an annoying character. It's movie yeah. characters. It's okay to enjoy movie yeah. characters dying. Um, what I did find interesting was... I think I think this is a I think this movie is a great take on media because that guy overheard um, Sergeant Al Powell mm -hmm. calling for backup and he immediately like asked for a truck to go out and start like recording. Yeah. And no. I and I, I I actually liked it because it's um it's very interesting seeing the media now you know as as 30 something year olds and you know in 2000 the 2000 teens um because it's always been the media has always been very um opportunistic mm -hmm. they've never cared about you know ruining people's lives uh, tarnishing reputations in order to get ratings mm -hmm. and I, I don't I don't think that I quite understood just how different the news was until like we watched like the 1980s the that CNN Tom Hanks uh, show mm -hmm. and I do think that this movie is like a kind of a, a, a great example like this guy like they go and they find John McClane's all of his information from New York and and instead of using it to help, they decide that they're just going to use it to boost their ratings. And they go and they, they go, they go to their house, to Holly and John's house, threaten their worker, their, um, their homekeeper, housekeeper with INS, which is now ICE, which is unfortunate, um, threaten her with possible deportation so that they can exploit these kids and put them on the TV, which ends up letting Hans Gruber know that uh, Holly is actually John's wife. And so, like, I think on the surf, like, on, on the surface, it's just kind of, a, oh, like, you messed this up. But I think it's just very indicative. And there's just a lot of truth telling into, like, what media can do and what it turned into, especially in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Um your thoughts um no i agree with all of that <laughs> you're just like whatever he's just a really stupid guy um yeah i mean yeah i agree with all of it i tell you it's a little harder to talk about uh a good movie like this than it is i about... mean we're talking we've been talking for a while now about this movie i mean we've been breaking down a lot of things mm -hmm. um but uh, you know the FBI comes in, and I loved that Hans Gruber. I will always say his full name. I will never just say Hans mm -hmm. or Mr. Gruber. I'll always say Hans Gruber. I love how he uses the FBI to get into the vault mm -hmm. by because he knows that they're going to cut off all the uh, power mm -hmm. to the block, and. Um, and that 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 leads me to the the other part that I loved about this movie was that you got to see three very smart people kind of playing chess with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got Al Powell, you've got John McClane, you've got Hans Gruber, and they're all like they're all of them are very astute, very smart, and there's a lot of push and pull and back and forth and 
like the whole kind of back and forth that goes in this movie, like it, it seems very real. Like it seems very realistic because all three of these men are very smart and they're finding things out about each other and just kind of moving around each other. And I, I sure the yeah. dynamics in the building are, are good. Like yeah. all of the characters, uh, all that matter, uh, uh, as you said, they're smart yeah. and, uh, you know, it's a, but you know, satisfying game of cat and mouse. Yeah. No issue with that. It's just, uh, yeah, the whole well, no. the whole the whole thing that FBI is doing is uh well, yeah. unbelievably moronic. Well, yeah, no, it's very stupid. But I mean, they can't know that they're counting on them to come in and cut off the power. Um, yeah, but what does cutting off the power even really do? I think they wanted to sweat them out. And what? It, and would it really be acceptable to cut off the power in that many city for blocks? 10, for ten blocks, I don't know. I, the number of things that governments do. And justify, I, that's not even on, like, the craziest stuff that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, like, wa- watching the three of them kind of work around each other. And then, and then you know, and then the, the other part I was thinking of is that you have these two people who are working against each other, and they don't even know what the other person looks like Mm -hmm. they don't they they don't they've they've only been communicating like via radio Mm -hmm. this entire time and you know that's i i don't know i just i just love that like that that was just like a really interesting aspect of the movie i do think it's interesting that um i don't know uh how to i might be a little off on this but uh, alan rickman's uh english american accent I think he could do it better than he did in this movie, and I yeah. think he intentionally did it. Uh, I would like to think that he intentionally did it a little badly. Yeah, and uh, which I actually think is uh, pretty good because his American accent was it was just a little odd, a little like, peculiar. Yeah, like <laughs> I could definitely, <laughs> I could definitely see people like they do with me. Like, where are you from? Mm-hmm. People ask me that all the time. Do they ask you that? No. I don't. No. I just assume you're from wherever you wherever you are. People don't care where I'm from. No, no. I get that a lot. Well, they care about apparently for some reason they care about where I was born when during small yeah. park at parties, but uh, people don't uh, don't look at me quizzically and say where are you from? If that's what you mean. People don't ask me where I'm where I was born, but mm-hmm. mostly because I I think they assume that I'm not from mm-hmm. the south. Because I don't quote unquote sound like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "No, from the south." been living here for a very long time yep you sure have um but yeah anyway going back to die hard um i'm trying to think what happened after that like um i mean everything pretty much devolves after that mm -hmm. um but the the throwback uh which is towards the end of the movie which is um and i alice brings up the rolex Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if she was wearing it Mm -hmm. at that point but hans gruber is holding on to john mcclain's wife dangling outside of the window Mm -hmm. and i think he's holding on by the watch yep and then they he you know john mcclain unclasps the watch and you see hans gruber fall which i thought was a little weird that he didn't try to get one shot off while he was falling Mm -hmm. because he just seems like the tiny type of vindictive person to to do that like Oh, I'm definitely gonna die, but I'll hmm. I'll try to squeeze one off 
just so I'll take you down with me, but he didn't, so. Yeah, but yeah, it's the end of the movie. We don't have time. Yeah. We don't have time for it. Yeah, like just, just, just. Let it this go. isn't seven. We have to have everybody that matters to live. <laughs> oh man, I haven't seen that movie in forever as well. I don't even remember it. Seven. I mean, I remember you know the part that everybody remembers, but I don't yeah. remember anything else about it. Yeah. It's in the box, Warren. It's in the box. Christmas presents. <gasps> We're Jewish. Wow. Oh, stinky Christmas presents. I'm just kidding. Jewish is, or Jewish. Christmas isn't stinky. Mm -hmm. Christmas is full of cinnamon and eggnog, which I got today. Yeah. Did you see the eggnog? I did see the eggnog. Are you excited? No, I guess so. What excites you, Orin? Excites me? Uh, Smash Brothers. No. I wasn't excited about that. I was, uh, I had fun. Nah, uh, I can't remember the last time I was super excited, hmm. pleased, but not pleased. super excited. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, oh, and at the very end, oh, like so we got the story of Sergeant Al Powell and well, why he was, uh, a, working at the desk, working a, a police desk job because he accidentally shot a child, mm -hmm. which. That by the way, that whole thing was weird too because. Um, I mean, the shooting of the kid thing, you know, that up until that makes, uh, you know, it is what it is. But then at the end, uh, the movie makes like a huge fanfare. It's exciting. Like a terrorist comes out and, oh, he, he gets out his gun and he shoots the guy dead. It's like, wait, this is your arc? Is that, is you mustering up the courage to start shooting people again? Is this what we were supposed to be rooting for for you? But isn't that just like quintessentially American? Uh -huh. Like, I was scared to use my gun, but now I'm not anymore. Yeah, so. I, I, uh, and they made a really big deal about they it. They did. It was slow-mo, big, loud music, close-up on the gun. Yeah. Guy, uh, who, by the way, makes no sense that he was actually alive yeah, at the end. Yeah, it makes no sense, because he it was really, definitely hanging by his neck the last time we saw him. It really feels like, at the end of the movie, it's like they realized that they didn't do enough with the cop character. Yeah. And then, and they were like, uh, well, uh, we need to get over the shooting thing. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm editing the, the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's fine. Do it's that. Like, it's like, we only have him, but but for so long before we have to mm -hmm. send him back to Family Matters. Yeah. So uh, they, they had some <laughs> intern do that part. Yeah. 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 And then Argyle comes and picks him up in the limo mm -hmm. after he rams into mm -hmm. the computer hacker guy and knocks him out cold. Mm hmm. Which I, I, that part I don't believe. Our guy was a very lanky, skinny guy. I just don't see him packing that much of a punch. Hey, you surprised him. Yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought it was a little reckless. Because I'm like, this, good, this dude could have a gun. And you're just ramming your car into this van. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, well, that's him. That's kinda, Argyle. Kind of, yep. Just doing stuff. Well, I mean, John McClane did say that he, he was very smart. He was very quick. Mm -hmm. So... I guess so. But not quick enough to, to know that there was a whole terrorist hostage situation happening above him. Nope. But then it couldn't move the movie along, I guess. I find myself having to do that a lot, like, with movies. Like, I'm just like, well, you know, you can't really move the plot along <laughs> unless you put these little things in here. So I'll have to accept it as it is. I guess so, but... Uh... Is that cynical of me? I don't know. It's not cynical. I mean, it's 
But the thing is, is that you could say that about, you know, just about any plot driven thing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, how do we get from point A to point B and accepting that you have to, that uh, this had to happen, this annoying thing has to happen to bridge it. But on the other hand, part of being a good writer is get making that connective tissue yeah. work. And when it doesn't work, you know, this isn't like, uh, you know, it's not an excuse to say, but we have to connect point A to point B to connect it better. Yeah. But luckily I didn't have to do that too much with this movie. Yeah, good. Yeah, like, 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 like with Argyle, he was a pretty minor character, so it wasn't like... Like, oh man, like you just stuck this in here. Like, honestly, if, if they had done without that part, it would have been fine. You know, like we didn't need that for the plot to go forward. Yep. But it was in there. So I just accepted it, you know, as is. But yeah, like that, that was Die Hard. And again, just a, a great Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, after that, we watched the uh, Jewish Die Hard. Nah, a I, funnier die and it wasn't that great it was just a whole bunch of just uh white jewish uh stereotypes uh, yeah this is i mean it's not not offensive it's just not yeah, it's just it not just, felt like, a, little, a little like a waste of three minutes like at the end they go die die new and i was like but that's a passover you know you <laughs> you understand why they did it i mean i get it but Come on, don't, don't be difficult about that. It was, I mean, it was just... I'm, I'm not trying to be difficult about it, but we're talking about Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. We don't say Dainu. Actually, wait, did Hanukkah. he... They actually never said it was a Hanukkah thing. They just said Jewish. I guess this is a point where I have to just accept it in order for it to move forward. Mm -hmm. So I will, mm -hmm. begrudgingly. Mm -hmm. But I will say that this was done, that this was supposed to be a parody of Die Hard, the first one, which was done on Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. which is in the winter. We don't do Passover stuff in the winter. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you were able to drop it. Fine. Okay. I'm dropping it. Mm-hmm. Well. Just one more thing. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So How this, long have we been recording? I don't even know. It's bar. It's showing bars and beats. Bars and beats and bars and beats. Over a thousand bars. Beats, bars and beats. Over a thousand bars? Can we get over 9,000 bars? I am not going to stay here for 9,000 bars. <laughs> no, that was... um. I know what it's a reference no, to. What's a reference? Don't want to tell me. <sighs> this is really riveting. Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Yes. Okay. Apparently. You know I've not watched one that Dragon Ball Z episode. It's fine. <laughs> you should maybe you should look at it. Uh, well, I would. I don't know. Like a decade or two ago, it would have been good to watch it for uh, to be you know up with the times. But now. Mm -hmm. I don't think any but any any new youngsters uh, watch Dragon Ball Z, so Yeah. You know what I would like for us to oh, so I'm sorry, do you have any other comments about Die Hard? No not much to say about it. I have you know, I have again, I had my gripes about uh you know, the the various uh the incompetence of the various law enforcement entities. Okay. But uh otherwise uh the movie's good. Yeah. And a lot of the real stuff was happening inside the building and all of that was great. Yeah. So 
I think that in the future we're just <laughs> going to have to stick to like Hallmark movies mm-hmm. that are bad. Um, or Lifetime movies. Um, what I would like to do is I would like to watch Christmas movies outside of of America. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's not just, you know, Europeans and American, North Americans that celebrate Christmas. I mean, there's a lot of people around the world that celebrate Christmas. Although I wonder if maybe the West has commercialized it so much that mm-hmm. that's why there are so many Christmas movies. Well, I could tell you that uh, it's a British thing to have Christmas episodes. That's true. So if you, uh, if, you, if you want to include that, we could watch a, we'll have a whole bunch of material to work with. Mm, no, I'm not. How about like non-native English countries sure if you can find it we can yeah. look at it or actually like i don't i don't really want to do european like i would i like i would i would be very interested to see if there are like asian christmas christmas movies or south american christmas movies or african christmas oh african movies are the best hmm. man that was like that was like one of my favorite things about getting my hair braided is like I would go and it would always it would usually be like some like West African woman like braiding my hair mm-hmm. and there would always be like some type of like Nigerian film playing and like yeah it was pretty awesome I wonder yeah I'm gonna have to do some research into that yeah let's do that or if you the only listener to this podcast would like to give us some uh, recommendations you can email us at jewish christmas movie review at gmail.com i'm not going to spell it because you should know how to spell jewish by now mm-hmm. if you found this podcast um trying to think is there anything else i think that's it for this one i think that's it it's in the can mm-hmm. it's done we're here all right so that was a good trial run i'm gonna let's let's Whoa, try you. <laughs> all right see you next week